0: and welcome to today's episode of Dermatologist Talks, Science of Beauty. Well, it's the Halloween weekend and while Halloween is mostly about dressing up and having fun these days, I feel it's also a timely opportunity for us to explore certain stereotypes of beauty as well as the concept of good versus evil. I've been wanting to do a podcast on this topic for a while now. By the way, have you ever wondered if there was any logic behind us associating goodness with beauty and evil with ugliness? Linking appearances to the concept of good versus evil isn't just a cultural phenomenon, but it's actually also backed up by evolutionary psychology. I will be sharing the contents of my research paper published earlier this year entitled Thoughts, Emotions, Facial Expressions and Aging, which was published in the International Journal of Dermatology. In my paper, I spoke about how facial expressions are actually key um, to the entire process of aging and impacts the individual facial aesthetic. The inherent value of recognizing this is that in our society's pursuit of physical aesthetic beauty, one must understand that our emotional well being is also closely intertwined. Um, it affects how other people perceive us, for example, uh, but our idea of beauty standards can also negatively affect our emotional well being because certain ideals are simply impractical. Well, as I've shared before, ultimately, the experience of beauty actually boils down to individual perception. And according to to psychological research, mental biases about beauty are also formed on the basis of whether we think the individual embodies virtues such as kindness and goodness. Uh, And all these can be explained in terms of evolutionary sciences because ultimately we tend to feel that a relationship with this sort of individual will ultimately benefit us.
1: That is very interesting and I'm so excited to learn more about this. Well, I've heard that cosmetic dermatology interventions such as Botox actually helps to relieve symptoms of depression and anxiety. This is because it is found that when you paralyze the facial muscles that are involved in frowning, for example, your mood also improves. Therefore, I concluded that if I'm in a good mood mostly, I may never need Botox. Am I right?
0: Well, Chelsea, based on my findings in the research paper, there is definitely some truth uh, to that. However, what is actually important is that um, the findings should be used as evidence to steer societal expectations of beauty and further encourage the concept of positive aging, which is centered around emotional and mental wellness first, and then appearances second. I feel that there is certainly a need to address this because data shows that young teenagers, for example, are particularly susceptible to social media portrayals of idealized beauty. And besides increasing the risk of body dysmorphophobia, um, which is a mental health condition where the perception of where the self Uh, perception of the individual is distorted, Uh, it also can bring long-term psychological harm uh, when these ideas persist through to adulthood. The observed impact, uh, for example, in terms of Instagram has been implicated in recent research which showed that users, particularly young teenage females, were very vulnerable to messages that were conveyed via Instagram in terms of body image, as well as unrealistic physical aesthetic expectations.
1: You're right. I mean, in fact, internal research findings from Facebook, which owns Instagram, actually, they reviewed that all the way from 2019, that they were aware that Instagram makes these body image issues far worse. The incidence is as high as one in three teenage girls who use Instagram. Interestingly, teenagers also blame Instagram for increases in their rate of anxiety and depression, which was an unprompted reaction and consistent amongst all groups. For the teens who reported having suicidal ideation, they actually traced the desire to kill themselves to Instagram use.
0: So Chelsea, the purpose of this episode is actually to rationalize a different approach to beauty standards uh, based on a concept known as neuroaesthetics, which is actually the premise of my research paper. What a lot of people don't understand is the origin of the term aesthetics, which itself is a branch of philosophy that discusses the nature of beauty, which also includes the philosophy of art. However, what has instead permeated our society today is actually a consumerist approach of aesthetics, which has also sadly been introduced into the field of medicine. Since medical boards internationally have categorically defined the practice of aesthetic medicine as what it is not, which is a medical specialty on its own, we realize the extent to which this misunderstanding and misconception of aesthetics has permeated the whole world. Aesthetic medicine is actually a realm that encompasses true subspecialties within the fields of dermatology and reconstructive plastic surgery, which are legitimate specializations of human health, of the skin, and reconstructive surgery, respectively.
1: Yes, well, something I thought our listeners may find interesting is that the etymology of the word aesthetic is actually derived from the Greek word aesthetikos, which refers to the sense of perception. Perception itself has been linked to imagination, the experience of art. It's a very broad term that links not just the arts but also to nature. Modern aesthetics was coined by Baumgarten in Aesthetica in the year 1715. It's important for us to appreciate that various philosophers have examined this topic of aesthetic judgment, which also includes our assessment of aesthetic value from a fundamental perspective. Aesthetic judgments are linked to our senses. What we term as something beautiful versus something less beautiful is really linked to how our senses are able to discriminate between the two. Well, two different philosophers have also had different perspectives on the same topic. David Hume, for example, referred to the differences in our aesthetic judgments as not just the pleasurable aspects of a composition, but also how sensitive we are to pick up on the less pleasurable aesthetic value of the same composition.
0: So in that sense, um, one has to link the emotional and mental realm to the aesthetic value of an object that gives rise to our sensory pleasures. So the best assessment of aesthetics, I feel, is actually one that incorporates your senses, your emotional, mental, intellectual realms. um, And I feel that aesthetics is much more accurately described as a philosophy of beauty, a philosophical thought, and the ability to critically analyze a subject. Now the issue of taste, of individual taste, is also relevant here. So taste itself um, is influenced by one's cultural, social values, and also what is transmitted via our formal education. So philosophers have evaluated how society's elites define taste, and that taste itself is directly influenced by social-cultural influences. Immanuel Kant, for example, says that beauty is inherently a subjective topic and has particular universal properties, meaning that um, Even though it's subjective, there will always be certain objects that will be perceived as beautiful to everyone. Now, isn't that fascinating?
1: Yeah, that really resonates with me because I was taught growing up that it is the inner beauty that counts. Looks like it isn't so much of a cliche now when it is actually supported by experts in philosophy and psychology.
0: If I may add, I feel that there is a deeper revelation in this discussion of how our perceptions of age um, actually relates to the aesthetic experience. Now, the conventional assumption is that an old person is not necessarily as much associated with the concept of beauty as a younger individual is. But... From a philosophical point of view, I feel that this um, perception is actually itself a commentary on the concept of mortality. So the fact that our face changes as we grow older um, is a natural process. The same way we observe a child progresses through a lifetime from a child Through to puberty, into adolescence, and then to adulthood. Uh, There is a certain lesson in nature about the physical changes involved um, in our mortal lives. And, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have always um, embraced this idea of immortality, um, seemingly as the ultimate quest of mankind from time immemorial. So I think it's important that we actually reflect on what it means for uh, us humans to embrace our own mortality um, as a practical and sustainable approach to our lives in general. And this may actually be the key to our psychological well-being.
1: That's so interesting because it is so ingrained in our culture as well as, I guess, social psychology that youth equates to beauty. While I think that there is a trend towards the embracing of the individual outside of these parameters like age, I wonder if it's going to be enough to overcome this perception that has dogged our mentality for what seems like forever.
0: You know, I'm actually starting to feel that the phrase age is just a number is getting to be quite a cliché. Um, Because fundamentally, all of us ought to realize that age isn't just a number. It's so much more because we know that there are physiological processes that occur, uh, which are in this case, uh, precisely impacted by the mental and emotional well-being of the individual that's going on during the aging process. And this actually ultimately shapes the individual's facial appearance on top of naturally occurring processes uh, as well as factors such as the individual's genetics.
1: As one ages, the emotional and mental well-being of the individual is paramount. So it's paradoxical that we are setting these rather unrealistic expectations of physical appearances based on this ideal of immortality, when in fact, the aging process itself of the entire body and its organs is one that constantly communicates our own mortality. You
0: are right, Chelsea. So it's a relevant point here how do we solve this problem of beauty standards, which are unrealistic and causing significant psychosocial harm? From a scientific and evidence-based perspective, I think that it is possible for us to really uh, dissect the various components of our individual perception uh, that leads to the experience of beauty, and hopefully this can convince um, the individual to start thinking about this idea of physical beauty differently. And then collectively, um, societal standards can change.
1: I definitely think it's very important to approach this topic, because it's not just having the expectation of having to look good that is negatively impacting the emotional well-being of individuals. Well, actually, I realized that in your paper, you stated that emotional well-being can actually provide the key to beauty, especially so when one ages.
0: You are absolutely right. Now, my aim was essentially to deconstruct the irrationality behind society's standards of beauty, which, by the way, are always changing and dependent on cultural factors, so I felt that I needed to do it in an objective manner with my expertise as a dermatologist, a researcher, and lastly, as a woman myself. I think what I set out to do uh, in this research paper was to derive findings from psychological research, which clearly shows that the way we assess an individual to be attractive is actually an emotional response rather than an objective physical process alone. For example, we find that individuals who are deemed to be attractive are actually likely to convey emotions of kindness and altruism. And it has to do with our perception of the emotion that is conveyed via these faces. The same with authenticity. So this is further elucidated by the fact that there are so many stereotypes in our pop culture linking beauty and evil. Uh, The evil seductress, for example, which we touched on in our previous episode, um, it is quite clear that in terms of uh, psychological research that has been conducted on human beings, um, we actually gravitate towards individuals who appear to be altruistic. Well,
1: because it is Halloween, I can't help but imagine how my own perceptions of beauty and ugliness, good and evil, are actually shaped by religious ideals of angels and demons. So it's really interesting that you brought up this idea that the experience of kindness from another person can cause us to perceive them in a positive way that can even beautify their physical appearance. Is that what you are referring to?
0: Well, Chelsea, I think it is indeed an apt and interesting reference, uh, because it's a common cultural experience that many people can understand these religious concepts of good and evil, as well as the uh, entity, the physical entities that are represented by these forces. So I think, in terms of religious connotations, uh, we can relate the force of goodness with light and beauty. And these are often symbolized in our physical depiction of angels. And I think it's also apt that we talk about the biblical tale of um, the archangel Lucifer, who was described as the most beautiful and perfect creature in heaven. So the Bible also tells us that this eventually led to his downfall. Because of his arrogance, he tried to overthrow God himself and was eventually cast from heaven to hell, becoming today's infamous fallen angel, Satan, uh, that is also the star of Halloween, it seems. I think there is a deep philosophical lesson in this because of his arrogance, we see that even the most beautifully created angel was observed to have transformed into an ugly devil because of a change of heart which is essentially communicating this idea that good and evil can actually correlate with physical appearances.
1: Wow, I never really thought of it that way. I feel that at the end of the day, our campaigning for a change in beauty standards may be futile without us first convincing people why there should be a change. This idea is just so ingrained in our mindsets from media, culture, and of course the dollars involved in the beauty industry. So perhaps the correct approach really is to rationalize it as you have done from a philosophical and scientific approach. I personally feel that I'm in a much better position now, not just to perceive myself differently, especially on days when I feel I'm not looking my best. But I also feel that this is going to help with so many people who have insecurities about their own physical appearance. Well, if you've enjoyed our podcast today, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The transcript is available on www.scienceofbeauty.net. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Dr. Tianwan Lin for the latest podcast updates. Finally, happy Halloween, and we will see you next week.